It's been 20 years. Iconic guests. My guest is Danica Patrick. I mean, you've been doing this for 17 years. You might be the OG of podcasts. We all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. In 2004, we launched Sports Business Radio, and David was kind enough to be my first guest. He was just joking uh, in the green room that he launched my career. So. He hasn't let me go since. It's really impossible. My guest is Emmett Smith. I think being authentic, being who you are, and being unapologetic about it, and being open to receive knowledge in, in areas that you may be unaware of, that's okay too. My guest is NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. International growth is something that I'm always thinking a lot about, and both for the NBA and for the game. And it's it's a recognition that nothing is preordained. My guest is Bob Costas. You know, Brian, as you said, I've been so lucky and did so many things that I could never even have dreamed of doing. All I really want to do now is return to the things that are most truthful to me as a person and a professional. The biggest names in sports. My guest is Maria Sharapova. I wanted to be in those rooms and I wanted to be in those meetings because there was something inside of me that said that although tennis was a big part of my life, it wasn't going to be my life in capital letters. And I had to become savvy and smart. A big part of sport is business. Our guest this week, Sue Bird. (laughs) Who told you I'm a bowler? That's hilarious. I read that you're like a good bowler and you break 200 when you bowl. Is that not true? Is that false uh, media report? No, no, no. All back. Welcome to year 20 of Sports Business Radio. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Our old friend, John Oran, sports media reporter. He's now with Puck News. He left the Sports Business Journal after many years. He's going to join us to provide insight on the ever-changing sports media landscape. We're going to discuss the new super streamer partnership between ESPN, Fox Sports, and Warner Brothers Discovery. John makes his predictions on who will land the upcoming NBA media rights deals. We also discuss the college football playoff media rights, and we reflect on why are legendary sports media outlets like Sports Illustrated and the Los Angeles Times on the decline or potentially going away altogether. I'm joined by Brian Griggs, our executive producer. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. And yeah, John's always a, a great guest. I, I love his insight on the super streaming uh, network that you mentioned, because that's something I've been really hearing a lot about. And I was kind of curious. So he has some great insight on that. Always has some good numbers and uh, things to look at for media rights and all that, too. So it's fun to talk to John again. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of information in this conversation about how uh, you, the consumer, are going to be affected by streaming, broadcast, price increases, better deals better coverage. So you want to pay attention. But then also, you know, these leagues are going to be impacted potentially. If you're trying to get a meteorites deal done like the NBA is, and now you've got ESPN, Fox and Warner Brothers Discovery coming together, um, is that going to decrease the potential rights fees that you might be able to extract if these networks remained on their own? So John does a good job of explaining all of that. He's got a great newsletter with Puck News, so you can follow him at Orand, O-U-R-A-N-D underscore Puck, P-U-C-K, on uh, X, I always want to say Twitter, and uh, that will lead you to signing up for his newsletter. But, you know, when you're looking for 
someone who knows more about sports media than anyone else. John's been doing this for, gosh, I think two decades plus. So uh, it's great to have him back on the show today. All right, Greg, before we get to the conversation with John, we've got to discuss the demise of All-Star Games. Because you and I both sat around this weekend and we watched the NBA All-Star Weekend. And I've got many thoughts to share. I think our listeners know if you've listened to this show for 20 years or even close to, I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers. My background is most closely tied to the NBA. I was good friends with late commissioner David Stern. Adam Silver just joined us a month and a half ago. We have pretty good ties to the NBA. You know, we're not just pulling things out of our rear and and throwing stuff at the wall. Um, But let me give everyone some numbers here first, just to kind of put things into perspective for all-star games. Um, So the Major League Baseball all-star game got a record low rating, 3.9 last time they had an all-star game. So 2023, 7.9 million across all platforms. And, you know, what John is going to discuss with us, Griggs, is what the networks have started doing and the leagues have started doing. They're saying, We're combining our audience across all platforms. So like the NBA, what was the audience on TNT? What was it on True TV? What was it on uh, Max? Like they're combining the audiences to get to a number. It used to be, you know, you just watch the game on ABC or NBC or CBS or Fox. There was one number. Now the numbers have gotten so low for everything really other than NFL that you're throwing everything you can at a number to get it to a big point. So, you know, I get a press release this morning and I'll give you a great example of this. So the NBA puts out their number for Sunday's 2024 NBA All-Star game. So this is Sunday. This is an All-Star Saturday night. 11.6 million unique viewers watched the 2024 NBA All-Star game on Sunday across TNT, TBS, True TV, VR Sports on Max, and that's up 20% from last year. The game averaged 5.5 million viewers. That's up 14% from last year. But Griggs, look at all the different platforms you're throwing to get to that 11.6. Then the real number is more like, oh, by the way, it was 5.5 average because people probably weren't going back and forth between all the channels. Did you watch the alt cast with uh, Taylor Rooks and Draymond Green and Charles Barkley. Yeah, I kind of went back and forth. I was on Max for most of it, and then I kind of bounced back and forth because I was curious how that would sound. But uh, yeah, I bounced around a little bit, but not too much. I was in between two of them. Okay. So the NHL All-Star Game, which was pretty recently um, this year, it was on ABC on a Saturday afternoon, 1.4 million viewers for an All-Star Game. Um. We just told you what the NBA numbers are. We told you what the Major League Baseball numbers are. How about this? So the NFL can basically, you know, put Roger Goodell on uh, just standing there (laughs) and it's going to get a few million people. They've tried to figure out the Pro Bowl. They've changed the format. They've gone to flag football. They've got this skills competition. They've done all of this stuff. But the Pro Bowl this year got 5.7 million viewers. So. With all of the great programming the NFL puts out, they had 94 of the top 100 TV programs in the last year. They just set the all-time record viewing audience of 123 million with the latest Super Bowl. The NFL draft 
gets, you know, 20 to 30 million viewers, they still can't figure out how do we basically get more viewers to our all-star game, which they call the Pro Bowl. 5.7 million, that's a really low number for them. So, all right, I give all of this as the backdrop, Griggs. And people may say, well, why don't you just get rid of the All-Star game? Like, no one's watching. The numbers have gone down. Like, people have spoken saying this isn't resonating with them. Well, Griggs, this happens to be sports business radio. There's always a business tie back to decisions that are made. And here are the reasons why that that doesn't happen. Number one, you've got your broadcast partners like TNT uh, in this case with the NBA All-Star Game. You've got to satisfy them, right? Like when you sign the media rights deal, one of the things they're signing up for, one of the pieces of inventory is the All-Star Game. Number two, you've got your sponsors. You've got Starry. I've never heard of Starry all year long except for the Starry three-point contest. It's like true TV. I never hear of it except for when it's the All-Star Game or March Madness, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So you've got those two elements. Those are big elements. The other thing for these All-Star Games is it's big economic driver for the host city. So in this case, this is Indianapolis. People are staying in hotels. You know, you do have people coming together in person. And that's uniform across the board. People are buying up all the tickets to go to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. They're going in person to the NHL All-Star Game. They're going to the NBA All-Star Game. They're just not watching it on TV. It's not a good TV product. But again, because you've got to satisfy the networks and you've got to satisfy your sponsors, what do you do? You can't just say, poof, this is gone. So Griggs, I want your feedback here. I've come up with a number of different ideas to solve at least NBA All-Star Weekend. I can't solve everything. I'm not a magician. <laughs> I wish I was. If I was, I'd be making a lot more money than I am right now. But for NBA All-Star, I want to throw some suggestions at you. And let's start with uh, All-Star Saturday Night, which, you know, we both watched, right? What do you, give me your thoughts on All-Star Saturday Night. What do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it just doesn't have that compelling, like, I've got to tune into this. It just feels, it's hard to describe. It just feels dead. It almost feels like there's just like an emptiness to it. I don't know how to, I, I'm curious to what your, your suggestions are because it's like, I'm watching, but it's not like, oh, wow, this is incredible. I, I have to just be glued to it like a Super Bowl. It just doesn't have that vibe to it. I don't even know how to describe it really. The problem for us is we're old enough to remember when Michael Jordan Dr. J, Kobe, Dominique, the best of the best competed in the dunk contest. Larry Bird competed in the three-point shootout. Reggie Miller. You didn't have to beg players, the stars, to come out and participate in these contests. They were competitive. They wanted to say, I'm the slam dunk champion. I'm the three-point champion. Like, I'm the best of the best. Now, because these guys make so much money, it's just not worth it to them. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want, you know, if LeBron competes in the slam dunk contest and loses to Mac McClung, <laughs> now he's like, oh my God, you know, my legacy as a dunker is ruined. You know, and that ship has sailed for LeBron. He's in year 20 now. So he's not doing that. But, you know, Zion's not out there. John ja Morant's not out there. Um, you know, some of your top stars that you'd want to see in the dunk contest, they're not out there. And 
because they make so much money, we're not talking about five million a year. We're talking like 50 million a year. Can you, is there really a dollar amount that's going to get them to come out, potentially get hurt, potentially lose? And then, you know, they go back and go, well, my brand is tarnished or it wasn't worth it. Even Larry Bird, Larry Legend, the day of the All-Star game at a breakfast, you know, said, look, we got to be more competitive. Like back in our day, we were competitive. We wanted to win this thing. We played defense. Like it mattered. Then these guys go out, they give up. The East scores 211 points. (laughs) And you could just tell poor Adam Silver, he was like defeated at the end of the night because he's like, we just talked about this. We just talked about carrying playing some defense, you know, making it competitive. And then the West goes out and gives up 211 points. And, you know, I'm going to shout out Joker, Luca, and Anthony Edwards. I, I love those guys. But these dudes didn't give a rip for this game. I mean, Luca is shooting three-quarter court shots. Anthony Edwards is shooting left-handed. Joker is, you know, just throwing the ball. All, they don't care, yeah. right? So... You know, some would call it disrespect. Others would just say, well, of course, they're out there. You know, they make 50 million a year. They don't want to get hurt. They're just running up and down the court. Like they're they're literally going through the motion. So let me actually back up and start with Friday night. So they do this celebrity game, Griggs. And, you know, I think Stephen A. Smith and I don't know who the other coach was. And Asia Wilson was out there as a coach and you know, they they bring in the quote-unquote celebrities. I don't want to be mean, but, like, side of the NFL players, like Micah Parsons and C.J. Stroud, Briggs, I didn't know who any of these celebrities were. Did you? Same. Same with me. It was the NFL guys. That's all I knew. So I'm like, okay, Micah Parsons is really good. He can dunk. He can play basketball. Like, awesome. He's the MVP. Yeah. The rest of the game... I wasn't compelled. I, I don't think I watched 10 minutes of it, yeah. but I was like, I don't know who these people are. And these are the celebrities. And the way it works, just so everyone knows, is, you know, every one of these leagues has like a sports and entertainment division and they have relationships with influencers. So like Jennifer Hudson sings uh, during the All-Star Game halftime show. So they've got a relationship with her. You know, the NFL has Rock Nation who books their halftime performers like they did this year with Usher and they have in, in, in years past. So I don't know what those deals look like or what you're giving Jennifer Hudson to get her to come do the NBA halftime show or what you're giving the uh, celebrities, I'll use that term loosely, to come play in the Friday night celebrity game. But again, people don't want to get hurt. They don't want to tear an ACL or pop an Achilles. They don't want to embarrass themselves. And there's probably not an amount of money that you're going to give them that is going to make them go, oh, I got to sign up for this. So what do you do with Friday night? I think, again, if the goal here is you've got to produce something for the network TV partner and for the sponsors, do we really need to do something basketball related on Friday night? Like, how funny would a celebrity roast of Shaq be? Like, let's go outside the box. Let's say it's not on the court. Is it a cool concert? Is it a celebrity roast? Um, you know, do you, do you have something else going on? Is it awards type of show? You know, something that resonated really big a couple of years ago is when the NBA had their top 75 players. 
And all the living legends were there. And everyone, including the players themselves, were like, whoa. You know, Dame Lillard is standing next to Michael Jordan. And, you know, you've got uh, Anthony Davis standing next to, um, you know, Shaq. Like, it, it was compelling. People tuned in. They wanted to watch it. It mattered. This celebrity game, it doesn't matter. It, it's literally just filler for the inventory. Hey, ESPN, you have the celebrity basketball game on All-Star Weekend. Let's have a a game. You know, like, is there something else besides that that you could put on that would be compelling to the sponsors and to the TV networks? What do you think, Greg? What would you do? Yeah, I like the roast idea. I think it'd be fun to have kind of a more unfiltered uh, TNT crew that just kind of does a, like a live podcast where they just kind of go off more and get a little bit more into yeah. what they really want to say without being too crazy. But they're hilarious. I mean, that that's the best part of the whole NBA is watching that TNT pre-game and halftime show. They're just, they're awesome. And they have so much good insight too. So I think that'd be fun. Uh, maybe a little more unfiltered. I like your roast idea. I think that'd be hilarious. There's so much comedy in the NBA. Those players are hilarious. There's a lot of fun and there's a lot of side you don't see to these players because they're out playing, you know, and you see the competitive during the season. There's some fun personalities. I think, you know, I mean, we see Draymond. I mean, he's hilarious at Chuck and all these guys. Let them go a little bit more, maybe unfiltered, a little bit more of a podcast vibe for something. I don't know. Yeah. It's got to be better than what they've got right now. Yeah. Because that's not working. The ratings show, you know, they're not getting, they used to have, okay, here's some real like back in the day. (laughs) So I used to work with Brian Grant who played in the NBA and I helped Brian Grant run his celebrity golf tournament. And we worked with uh, Mark Wahlberg and his team who ran a celebrity basketball league in Los Angeles. And, like, Leonardo DiCaprio played in it. Like, there were some big stars playing in this league. Why can't you partner with that league and get more A-listers playing in the game? Like, if they're already playing pickup, I mean, is it because they're on TV? They don't want to be embarrassed, potentially, on ESPN, so they're going to say no. But, like, Justin Bieber, um, you know, Luke Perry used to play in the game. Like it used to be A-listers who played in the game. And if you could go back to that, then the game matters. Mm -hmm. Now you're turning it on and going, whoa, okay. You know, some of the biggest stars in the world are playing in the celebrity game. Like these are true celebrities. They're not people you've never heard of. No offense to the people that played in the game that I've never heard of. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay. So that's Friday night. Let's move on because the meat of this, I think, is on Saturday and Sunday. All right. I, I'm very excited about these ideas. I run them by a few different people. Um, I'm a longtime NBA junkie. So let's start. Right now, you know, we have the three-point competition. I love the Sabrina Steph. That was the highlight of the night. It actually got the most uh, viewing audience, the most eyeballs. Um, the dunk contest is hot trash now. The three-point contest, it was good. It was compelling, but you know, the highlight of the night was Sabrina and Steph. Here's how I would reshape All-Star Saturday night in no particular order. These are the things, the skills challenge, that mm-hmm. just, you know, those, again, Anthony Edwards shooting left-handed shots and not giving a rip, okay? So back in the 70s, this tells you how long I've been alive. And I think maybe the early 80s. 
CBS was the broadcast partner for the NBA. And God, it, it was good when CBS had the games. One of the things that they did outside of the actual game broadcast is that I think it was on like Saturday mornings. I'd get up every Saturday morning. Instead of watching cartoons, I was watching this. They had the legends of the NBA, like current players, competing against each other in horse. <laughs> so you could wake up on a Saturday morning and you see George Gervin taking on Pistol Pete in horse. And these dudes, they know trick shots. Like, this is not me and my buddy in the driveway playing horse, which I played a lot growing up. Good shooting game. But, you know, you're behind the backboard. You're sitting on the ground. You're doing half-court shots. Like, you're doing all these things. So for me to suggest horse is a competition at the NBA All-Star Weekend, this isn't something that hasn't been done before. It was done and actually done really well. So I am saying put horse back into the mix. And if you watch the clips on social media like I do, who are the two players that do trick shots more than anyone else prior to games? Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, okay? Big stars. They love doing trick shots. Uh, Steph made one last week. It was like a full court heave from the tunnel, made the shot. Luca did one at NBA All-Star Saturday practice, was at half court, bounced the ball, goes in. These dudes love trick shots. So imagine a game of horse. We even, Griggs, have the old McDonald's commercial with Larry Bird and Michael Jordan playing horse. Off the freeway, off the mountain, <laughs> off the this, you know, swick. You know, so there's a lot of horse and trick shots in the NBA's heritage. Why are we not bringing this back? And oh, by the way, the NBA is trying to reach the younger demo. Who's the originator of the trick shots in the modern era? Dude, perfect. They have millions of followers on social media. So you do horse, you get the biggest stars like Luca and Steph, bring in Sabrina, bring in Caitlin Clark, and you bring in Dude Perfect for the reach on social. And I think I would watch that more than anything else. So horse is one of the competitions. And by the way, let's increase the prize money for these things, right? Like I was embarrassed for whoever, you know, Steph, Sabrina, thank you for competing. We're giving your foundations $25,000. What? $25,000? Now, to you and I, that's a lot of money. To the NBA, a $10 billion a year league and to these sponsors, come on. $25,000? It's got to be something more meaningful than $25,000. Maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, a million, but it's got to be more than $25,000. Okay, the next thing is, and this is capitalizing on the popularity of Steph versus Sabrina, it's the NBA versus WNBA three-point shootout, but now we're going two-on-two. Two. So imagine next All-Star Saturday, you've got Steph and Dame, who won the All-Star competition, three-point contest, and with MVP of the game. And you've got Sabrina and you add Caitlin Clark, who's like the biggest thing since sliced bread right now. And you do three rounds. You shorten the clock each round. And, you know, you can do some form of combined score. But the other thing this does is it continues to elevate the WNBA. Remember, the NBA has a big stake in the WNBA, right? They want to see this thing succeed. 
what better place to showcase it than on All-Star Saturday night? Sabrina was amazing. I mean, comes out the first two racks. I think she missed one shot. Like she put serious pressure on Steph. She wasn't just there for, you know, appearances and going through the motions like Anthony Edwards. She was there to win. And by the way, she was shooting from the NBA three-point line, not the WNBA three-point line. So imagine Sabrina and Caitlin Clark against Steph and Dame. Like that is a contest I would want to see. What do you think of that idea? I love that too. I was thinking about that when I was sitting there too, because it was just after Caitlin had beat the record with a logo three-point shot, obviously. So uh, yeah, I think that's awesome. Sabrina is so engaging, such a great speaker. She's so fun to watch and hear her talk. She's so smart. Steph loves her. You can tell they have a great, uh, you know, a great camaraderie and Dame would be a great addition. I agree. I think that's awesome. And uh, back to your horse thing. Hilarious. Great idea. I grew up playing horse. Also, the players aren't going to get hurt most likely in horse. So that might incentivize them to like, hey, I can play. I can just go out and have fun. I'm not going to get hurt. So uh, that's a great idea, too. So two for two. If you want to add a legend to this contest. So Steph and Dame, Sabrina, Caitlin, let's look at Ray Allen on the NBA team and let's bring in Sue Bird on the WNBA team. Yeah. So let's, let's add a little more flavor from past legends who can still shoot it. You know, Reggie Miller was there. You could put him there instead of Ray Allen if you want, but like there's things you could do here. And again, you're elevating women's sports, which I love. You're elevating the WNBA, which the NBA has a stake in and you're making something competitive. Like, Steph and Sabrina cared. That was the only thing I watched all weekend where I was like, those two care. That's it. Everything else, they don't care. They're going through the motions. They're doing this for sponsors. They're doing this because it's required. The only thing I felt like was really competitive the whole weekend was Sabrina versus Steph. All right. Now, here's a take on the... uh, I I would get rid of the regular three-point competition. So you have what I just described, the WNBA versus the NBA. Now, Griggs, we're going with the long three-point competition. So if you're like me, I grew up playing basketball. You know, one of the drills I used to do is you stand right under the basket, you do a layup, you take a step back. You hit that mid-range, you take a step back. You're at the free throw line, you make that, you take a step back. You're at the three-point line, you take a step back. You maybe go to half court, you hit that. You know, you you keep taking a step back. Well, the NBA, as Dame showed in the All-Star game, Steph has shown over many years. Trey Young, like, these are dudes who have changed the game with long threes. So what I would do is I would have a three-point competition where you start at the three-point line, you get, let's say, three shots, and if you don't make it, you're eliminated. If you make it, you take a step back. Let's see who the best long distance shooter is. Is it Steph? Is it Dame? Is it Trey? Is it Caitlin Clark? Is it Sabrina? I mean, you could incorporate the WNBA into this or you just keep it the NBA. But let's see who the best long range shooter is. I don't care if it's only three or four guys. The dunk contest only has uh, three or four guys. So like, It doesn't matter to me. We don't need 10 guys in a competition. I just want to see, like, who wears the crown of best long-range shooter? You get three shots. You can take a step back. Maybe as you advance in rounds, you only get two shots. Maybe you only get one shot. 
You could come up with ways to adjust the rules, but I want to find out. You know, Luca takes long shots. Joker takes long shots. Carl Anthony Towns takes long shots. Who is the best long-range three-point shooter in the NBA. What do you think of that contest? Yeah, it's great. I was thinking during the competition too, I'm like, man, let's make a four-point shot or something to make it more compelling because what do fans love? Half-court buzzer beaters, long-range shots, you know, at the end of halves. What do kids go watch after the game? Like we're talking about kids being on social media. They watch the highlights. They watch the halftime, the half-court buzzer beater from Steph at the buzzer. I mean, that's what fans love that. It's engaging because it's just cool to see and it's you don't see it in every game. So I agree, like, Back them up. Let's see how far we can shoot. Can we go three-quarter shots? Can we do the, like you said, step from the tunnel? Is that going in? I think that's great because people love that. Fans love it. I love watching the half-court buzzer beaters. So let's go. I love it. All right. So we've talked about horse. We've talked about the NBA versus the WNBA three-point shootout. We've talked about the long three-point competition that I just described. Not everyone is a great shooter. So we got to have something for the people that aren't great shooters. That's why we have Griggs the pinpoint passing competition, okay? In the NFL, in the Pro Bowl, you see the little targets moving and, you know, Russell Wilson is throwing it at the 10-yard target, the 20-yard target, the bomb, you know, 40 yards down the field. You get points for hitting targets. I'm not saying there has to be moving targets in this competition, but let's see who the best pinpoint passer is. And Griggs, to spice it up a little bit, Let's not just have the current players involved. Let's get some of the past legends involved. Let's get Magic out there. Let's get John Stockton, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash. You could have a who's the best outlet passer competition like Joker or Kevin Love. Like there are some short, medium, and long-range targets that you could set up, and you get points for that. And I think the pinpoint passing competition between current players, big and small, and also some of the legends that I just mentioned, you know, maybe the legends are like, I don't want to get hurt. Okay, you could still find enough guys who were really good passers back in their day. Like Oscar Robertson, probably not doing this, right? Could you get Magic to do it? Steve Nash is still in pretty good shape. You're not asking them to run him down the court in a game. You're saying pinpoint passing. So I think there's something there. Of all the ideas I presented, this one is probably the one that I'm least excited about. Um, but I think there's something there, and you probably have to come up with someone or something that is different than just shooting, right? Like the dunk competition right now, I'm guessing, you know, Mac McClung and uh, Toppin and yeah, Jalen Brown's a good shooter, but the, the other guys in the competition, like, they're not great shooters. They're good dunkers. They're not very good shooters. So they wouldn't be participating in the three-point shootout, most likely. So that's what the pinpoint passing competition is. All right, here's the next idea. Do you remember last year? Go back and listen to this interview. We had Tracy McGrady on, Hall of Famer. Tracy McGrady has started a one-on-one -on -one league. Why are we not having one-on-one -on -one at NBA All-Star Weekend? Now, I know guys don't want to get hurt. I know guys make a lot of money. I know guys don't want to lose to someone else and hurt their brand. So this is a hard sell. But if you could get the best players to buy into this, I mean, imagine Giannis versus Joker in the big man's division. <laughs> Luka versus LeBron 
in, you know, the medium range uh, division. Uh, Jaw versus Dame in the small guys. Or you could just have a, a free-for-all. Like, you know, Giannis might take on uh, Jaw. You don't have to have a, a size division. But this is where you need to put up some serious money. Like $5 million, $10 million to the winner. Like, come get the prize money and be crowned the one-on-one champion of the NBA. I would watch this every single second. Here, I'm dating myself again. Way back in the day, I was one of the radio voices for Loyola Marymount. The year that Bo Kimball, who made the left-handed free throws, graduated, he got drafted by the Clippers. Before the draft, someone, some promoter, did a one-on-one competition, and the finals was Gary Payton against Bo Kimball. Go back and find this on YouTube somewhere. It was outstanding. These guys were both about to enter the draft. Lionel Simmons was in it. Like There were some good college basketball players in this one-on-one contest, and they put up good prize money at the time. Why can't we do that at the NBA level? Why can't, like... You know, if Jordan Brand's going to stick their name on the alt cast, you wouldn't rather stick your name on the one-on-one tournament. And, you know, you could do this in conjunction with Tracy McGrady, who was one of the great one-on-one players of all time. Like, how amazing would it have been if you saw Tracy McGrady versus Kobe one-on-one at an NBA All-Star game? I mean, forget the All-Star game. I just want to see that, right? And I think it would resonate the broadcast partners would be thrilled. This would be viral all over social media. But again, you need the buy-in of the players. That's going to be the sticking point. Gregs, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's the hardest part. I love the idea because you could have some iconic matchups. You mentioned a few in there, but yeah, it's, it's the buy-in. It's like, okay, what, what's it worth me to go out and do this? And like, these guys are so, they get so mentally hurt if they lose something, you know, the brand and they, oh my gosh, I lost to this guy. And that, would be hard to try and get the incentive. But man, the idea is great. And I think it would really highlight their skills too. If you're watching just two players go at a time, man, you could really see how this this would work if they're competitive. It'd be awesome. I mean, hey, young listeners out there, students. Larry Bird used to show up at All-Star Weekend. He'd walk into the locker room for the three-point competition and he'd yell out, who's finishing second? (laughs) This is the competition that existed back then. These guys cared. They talked trash. It mattered. Now, it doesn't matter. But you've got to make the broadcast partners happy. You've got to make the sponsors happy. So you've got to come up with something, whether it's on the court or a celebrity roast or a concert or a live podcast or something that satisfies the broadcast partners and the sponsors. I've given some suggestions here. The All-Star game itself, you know, they've tried so many different things, right? They tried the, you know, ending of the game. They've tried, you know, let's play some defense. They went away from the draft to East versus West again. They've done all of these different things. Like you just said, Griggs, like this generation, it just doesn't matter. You know, they, they, they make so much money. And I'm probably going to anger some people for saying this, but like we're in the participation trophy era. (laughs) You 
get applauded just for showing up. Hey, you're a winner in my book. Well, Larry Bird or Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson would have ripped your heart out of your body through your throat because they wanted to beat you so bad. You could have played tiddlywings with them and they would have been competitive. These guys that I saw show up for the All-Star Weekend, they weren't competitive and it showed. And you've got to be super frustrated if you're Adam Silver because this is one of your showcases. This is one of your premium products. So you've got the NBA Finals, you've got the NBA All-Star Weekend, and now you've got the in-season tournament. These are premium products that when you go to the table with broadcast partners, these are premium products. People are going to watch these things. They're going to matter. Your ratings for all of these, if you're in the NBA, and again, I love the NBA. I respect the heck out of Adam Silver. But the numbers don't lie. The numbers are going down. There's got to be some solution to this because I don't think the solution for everyone who's like, well, just get rid of it. You need inventory for the broadcast partners. You need inventory for the sponsor. So yeah, maybe you get rid of the on the court stuff and it turns into you know a big party. I, I don't know that people are going to watch, oh, it's NBA All-Star Weekend and we have a concert. I think a, a fun celebrity roast with some NBA people might be fun. The game itself, you know, people have suggested, is it USA versus international? So the international team has Giannis and Joker and Luka and uh, SGA and, you know, some good players. Does that, I mean, it's also called the Olympics, which we're having later this year. Um, there's so many international players in the league now that I don't know that that feels a lot different. So I don't know that that's the answer. Uh, Bill Simmons and others have suggested get rid of the three pointer and just have twos and ones. We just talked like it's fun seeing Dame pull up from half court and effortlessly hit a three from half court. You're like, wait, that used to be a heave for people. Now he's pulling up like a regular jumper from half court and it's effortless for him. Like that's pretty cool to watch, you know, and it goes back to the three, the long three point competition that I'm talking. I think fans like three pointers getting rid of them. I don't know is the answer, but I do understand how, you know, three quarter court three pointers like Luca shot. It leads to garbage time a lot earlier. Like Griggs, you grew up playing hoop too. We used to call it garbage time when people were just going for stats and it didn't matter. Garbage time in this game was literally like a minute and a half in the game. Like you were just like, okay, wait, LeBron, who's in year 20, just went down the lane for a dunk for a poster, like completely unobstructed. No one stood in his way. No one, you know, is matador defense, as they say, like, just get out of the way. That was a minute and a half into the game. That's a problem. And only sets the tone like, oh, LeBron, the most seasoned player out here. It it doesn't it doesn't matter to these guys. So how do you make it matter? I've shared some ideas today for clever competitions on Saturday. I don't know what you do about the game itself. Um, you know, I don't know that there. If you said the winning team gets five million dollars a player, and the losing team gets two and a half, are these guys going to play harder? Maybe, but. If you're Steph and you're making $51 million, to him, his health 
is far more important than being available to the Warriors the rest of the year as the playoffs approach. That's far more important than I'm going to dive on the ground and, you know, go for it here in this all-star game, even if you're paying me $5 million if we win the game. So I, I don't know, Greg, it's a tough nut to crack. And again, we started this segment with, this isn't just an NBA problem. This is a Major League Baseball problem. This is an NHL problem. This is even an NFL problem, which, you know, they're usually, they can, you know, like I said, have Roger Goodell standing in front of a, a screen and saying nothing and draw 10 million viewers just for, for that, for the draft. So um, I don't know what the answer is here. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, maybe you start uh, docking them pay if they don't go out and show up in the game or score a certain amount of points. I don't know. I think you're right. They make too much money, so it doesn't matter if you pay them $5 because they'd rather be healthy. And uh, you do risk that injury. I mean, you're you're out there playing. You just don't know. I mean, things can happen. But I think that's the toughest one of the whole All-Star Weekend for NBA, especially is that the All-Star game. It's just like, it's pointless right now. I mean, 211 points, and it's, there's just no point. It's just, it's not watchable. Well, and here's the other real problem I meant to bring this up earlier. So we're talking about like money and what amount of money will entice these guys to get out there and, and play hard. The NBA has a new rule this year. If you don't play in 65 games, you're not eligible to win MVP, most improved, you know, any of the major postseason awards. Well, guess what else is tied to those awards? First team NBA, second team all NBA third team all NBA, you're eligible in many cases for a super max or a max contract. So Griggs, my point is there are guys that are legitimately hurt that can't play in the 65 games. I get that. There's other guys that are literally missing out on 20, 30, $40 million in a difference between a regular contract and a super max contract because they can't get out there more than 65 games. I mean, this is going to sound bad again, but look at someone like Ben Simmons. I mean, I think this guy has played in like nine games in the last three seasons. He's making, you know, a hundred something million dollars. There's no incentive for him to get out there and, and play. Guaranteed contracts pay you whether you show up or not. So if Ben Simmons plays, he gets paid. If he doesn't play, he still gets paid. So the point is, if there's not an urgency to get to the 65 game threshold to get that super max contract in some cases, there sure as heck isn't going to be an incentive to go out and play in the All-Star game or play in a Saturday night competition or throw your body out there on the line because you don't want to get hurt. You're thinking of your long term health, right? There have been people that have said, Joel Embiid, even when he's quote-unquote healthy this season, he shouldn't come back. He should sit out the rest of the year in order to prolong his career if you're looking at the big picture here. I don't know if I agree with that, but that's the mindset that exists now with analytics. And, you know, the thing about Kawhi Leonard that's so exciting this year is he's playing. Yeah. And when this dude plays, like, I think we forgot. Like, Kawhi is the best two-way player in the NBA, period. When this guy is healthy, he can lock you down. I mean, just his hands alone. He just puts his big claw up in front of your face and you can't even see the court anymore. It's like a, an eclipse. And then, you know, he's great on offense. But for the last three or four seasons, it's 
you know, management, load management. And, you know, he has to sit out the playoffs after playing the first two games and he can't play back-to-backs. And now we're just seeing regular Kawhi, who, by the way, no coincidence, healthy Kawhi, you know, this season a few months ago got like a huge $150 million contract. So that was incentive enough for him to quit the load management and to say, you know what? I'm going to play all the time because I kind of like the $150 million and I do want to win a ring with the Clippers and, you know, he he's playing great. I hope, I hope he stays healthy. I really do because he's great to watch when he's healthy. But this is a mess. Load management, um, players caring about the All-Star weekend, making the TV networks happy. I mean... You know, I think the NBA, and we're going to discuss it with John Oran, is going to do really well with their rights deal because it's a great product. But if you're going in and you're sitting at the table with ESPN and Warner Brothers, Discovery, and Amazon, and everyone else, they're looking at your numbers and they're seeing the numbers don't lie. You know, the NBA Finals ratings have gone down. NBA All Star Game, they're up this year, but you're throwing like four networks at it to get to the 11 point whatever million mark. You know, you're doing everything you can. Um, so, Griggs, that's my uh, segment. You know, as I've said for years on this show, people say to me, if you're going to criticize something, have a solution. Well, I just gave you some really good competition, some solutions. Um, I think Saturday night would be exponentially more exciting if they got rid of the current competitions and went to what I just suggested, I don't know what to do about the All-Star game. I really don't. I wish I had a, a silver bullet to give to Adam Silver and say, hey, look, this is going to solve your problem. And Friday night, I think, is a throwaway. I think it should be something along the lines of a roast or non-basketball related because that celebrity game on ESPN, it's 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 unwatchable. I hate to say that. Yeah, I think your best suggestion out of your whole capsule there was the horse competition. I think that I love it. is the most compelling and everybody gets any basketball fan knows what horses has played it. And I think it's hilarious. So I, that's my number one with uh, what you said. Well, and the other thing is, unless you're going to like go up to the catwalk or you're going to, you know, harness yourself in with a bungee cord, like you're probably not going to get hurt playing horse, right? You're going to tear a knee or pop an Achilles playing horse. So it's a low-risk game. And again, you bring in Dude Perfect, and I know how the Dude Perfect thing works. They do 8,000 takes of something, and they only show the one that works. Like, hey, I'm at the top of the, you know, Empire State Building, and we just shot it down to the street level. And look, it went in right away. No, it didn't. You you did like 7,000 takes to get that one shot. I understand. But part of this is like, the fun of in the moment, right? Like Steph, when he shoots his trick shots before the game from the tunnel, that's in the moment. He's not always going to make it. Luca, when he does his trick shots before the game, like it's part of the fun and the spontaneity of it. So I agree of all the, I think the two most realistic competitions on here are the expansion of the NBA, WNBA three point. You know, now you're going two on two or three on three beyond just Steph and Sabrina, because that worked. And then horse. Those are, 
I would love to see the one-on-one. Do I think it'll ever happen? No. The long ball competition, that could happen if someone wanted it to. That's not a hard game to play. We've all played it growing up. You're just doing it basically starting at the three-point line instead of under the basket. Um, Pinpoint passing, that's not hard to implement. I mean, I, I think, you know, if I'm Tyrese Halliburton, I want to compete against John Stockton and Steve Nash. Like, get those guys out here. Let, let's let's go. Let's see how the legends do still. Isaiah Thomas, like, you know, you can get some guys out there and and do that. But, you know, change is hard. The NBA has shown they're open to change, though, with the in-season tournament. Like, Adam Silver, I think, is going to go back to the league offices in New York, and he's going to be like, all right, everything's on the table. This weekend, you know, Keep in mind, it was a success with you have these in-person events. You have lots of activations. Dame is, you know, revealing his new Dame 9 shoe. You know, Giannis is uh, premiering his new documentary on Amazon Prime. Like, there's business taking place there. And there's in-person meetups with the legends. And, like, that all works great. What we see on TV, if I'm one of the league broadcast partners or i'm one of the sponsors i think something has to change i mean i don't even know who the sponsor of the dunk contest is anymore but man i mean thank god for mac mcclung he saved it the last two years the rest is is not good the one thing i will say that i i really did like with all-star weekend the led court yeah that was really cool you know during the three-point competition like all the graphics that were coming up it looked like a video game. Yeah. You know, and you see the countdown clock and you see here's the money ball and like that worked really well. That court was awesome. But I mean, if you're going to leave it up to an LED basketball court to save All-Star Weekend, good luck. <laughs> All right, Griggs, any other thoughts? I agree. LED court was pretty cool. Uh I like the stats and the pictures while they're dunking and things that are going on on the on the court while it's happening. So that that was great. Um but yeah, I think there's there's some good suggestions there, but there's a lot that's still just like, what do we do here? So it's just a it's that you know toss up. But I, I think you're right. I think Adam Silver coming in the next meeting and say, all right, guys, no nothing's off- offline here. Let's go. Start saying ideas. Let's go. We got to figure something out. Yeah, and you have to keep the younger demo in mind, and we're going to talk about that with John Morand in a minute. Is you know you look at a league like the NBA, and while the broadcast numbers may be down. Their social numbers are through the roof. You have young kids like yours, Griggs. They're watching on TikTok. They're watching on Instagram. They're not watching the whole game. They just want to see the highlights. So engagement is great. Social media numbers are fantastic. But that doesn't help the broadcast partner. That doesn't help the sponsor because they need eyeballs on their TV network or streaming platform or you know, Starry is sponsoring the three-point competition because they want people talking about Starry. They don't care if you're watching a social media clip because Starry isn't on that clip, you know, unless they're in the background or something. They don't have a logo on that clip. So, you know, how we're consuming sports and just everything in general, Netflix. By the way, I, I'm going to give a quick plug. I watched uh, the new documentary on the new england patriots dynasty on apple tv over the weekend wow i mean i have people call me all the time and say 
I'm trying to make a documentary. Last Dance is the apex of documentaries. Like it is the model that everyone's shooting for. What do you think of this idea for a documentary? And I'm like, eh. I mean, there's a lot of documentaries out there right now. I love Dynasty, the New England Patriots doc. First of all, Brian Grazer and Ron Howard are producing. Let's start there. Like, they don't make garbage. These guys make the best of the best movies, TV shows. Like, when Imagine Entertainment is involved, it's going to be A+. plus. Okay, so let's start there. Then you've got the main characters. Like in The Last Dance, you had Jordan. You had Pippin. You had Rodman. You had, you know, all of the main characters were there to describe the footage and what really happened. Well, with the Patriots documentary, you've got Brady. You've got Belichick. You've got Kraft. You've got, you know, Ty Law, Drew Bledsoe, some names from the past. People don't realize how much Bill Belichick he, he he hung his rear end out there saying, we're going with Brady and not uh, Bledsoe after Bledsoe got hurt. Like most coaches would have said, Bledsoe's back, he's in. I don't know what Belichick saw in Brady early on, other than this guy's a film junkie. He gets better every practice. He gets better every game. But anyways, it's outstanding. You have all the main characters involved. The footage I, I didn't know this. Tom Brady bought Ty Law's like man cave condo. And some of the footage of Brady and, you know, the guys he'd have over watching games or having beer drinking games. I mean, it, it is priceless footage. I don't know where they got this footage, but they have some great footage in the dock. And it's only getting better every episode. So I highly recommend. And I will say this, and, and people may go, so far, it is the closest thing I have seen to the last dance. It is the closest thing I've seen in a sports documentary to the last dance. And, you know, if you've listened to the show, I hold the last dance. It is the gold standard of sports documentaries, just documentaries, period. This is the closest thing I've seen to the last dance. So if you haven't watched it, watch it. It's really, really good. And I think it's going to get better. Uh, as we go along. Greg's, have you watched it? I have not yet, but it, it is on my uh, my watch list on Apple. So yeah, it's coming up for sure. Okay. All right. Coming up next, John Oran, Puck News, sports media reporter. We're going to go through a lot of things that are going to affect you, the consumer, the sports leagues, media rights. Um, where's the NBA media rights going to land? We just spent a whole segment talking about the NBA. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Brian Berger here. I love innovation and I love tech. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about what Matsing is doing. You may have a solid wireless network at your venue, but do you have the highest performing antennas in the world to power your network? Matsing is the leader in multi-beam lens antennas. Venues such as AT&T Stadium, home of the Dallas Cowboys, Allegiant Stadium, which is home of the Las Vegas Raiders and Super Bowl 58, and Amelie Arena, which is home of the Tampa Bay Lightning, all have Matsing's innovative lens antennas. As a matter of fact, Matsing's antennas are deployed at over 100 venues globally, including 50% of NFL venues, 35% of NBA and NHL venues, several Formula One racetracks, and even at the upcoming 2024 
Paris Olympics. Do you want to deliver a fully connected venue experience to your fans? Then Madsing is the key to delivering a best-in-class mobile experience for fans who want to post pictures, watch videos, order food, or place real-time wagers. For more information on how Matsing can help your venue, visit matsing.com. That's M-A-T-S-I-N-G.com. Or email Tracy Salazar at T-R-A-C-Y-S-A-L-A-Z-A-R at matsing.com. That's Tracy Salazar at matsing.com. Matsing is the exclusive antenna partner of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is John Oran. He is now with Puck News after being at the Sports Business Journal for many years. He's a sports correspondent with Puck News. He's covered the sports media beat for many, many years. You can find him on X at Orand underscore Puck. John, how are you? Doing great, Brian. Always love coming on here. So thanks for the invite. Thank you so much. And there's so much sports media to talk about right now. But I want to start with like a very basic question that I've been discussing with my friends and uh, listeners have asked me this too. You know, you see these huge viewership numbers now that come from like the Super Bowl, 123 million. How are we measuring audience size now? Are we counting broadcast, streaming, social? Like, are they combining everything? Is it just broadcast? What are we doing here? Because it seems like the NFL is really going up with viewership, but then other entities like the NBA and Major League Baseball are kind of remaining flat. Yeah, well, the the NFL has figured out what a couple other leagues uh, did, did as well, and um, and the networks too. I, so, look, the Super Bowl brings in a ridiculous viewership number, regardless. Uh, One hundred and twenty three million. That includes CBS. It includes Paramount Plus. It includes Nickelodeon. It, it includes uh, the Spanish language as well. And so they're adding all these different networks up into it. And so when you're comparing this 123 million over what Fox got uh, in 1994 or whatever that network it was in 1994, then it was just on the broadcast station. Right. And so now they're adding in all of these. And the reason why they do that is, uh, frankly, advertisers don't care. Like they, they want to know how many people uh, are, are watching it. But for uh, for casual fans or people like us that want to compare, like, what's a, what is the health of a sport? And I think TV viewership generally provides not a definitive look at, at how healthy a sport is, but, you know, one one metric in, in, into that. It becomes a little bit frustrating, especially now with streaming. And uh, and and one of the big things about streaming, too, not to get too deep into the weeds, is Nielsen, for all its problems, is a third party uh, um company so it counts and i and you can generally trust those numbers all of a sudden you know nbc with peacock is saying oh well we had the, you know so many people watching on peacock trust us and, and cbs with paramount plus oh you just trust us on this we have so many people co- coming through here and that that makes it uh, a little bit more difficult with advertisers that you talk to you know, the younger demo, a lot of them aren't consuming entire games anymore. They're going on TikTok or they're going on Instagram and they're watching 90 seconds of highlights. Are advertisers still pleased that people are engaging, you know, via those vehicles or are they like, no, we just want to have broadcast? Uh, 
advertisers want to get younger and they want to go go to you know some of those clips that you talked about on TikTok and YouTube and 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 things along that those lines. The problem with going to you know advertising on social media is you never know quite what your advertiser advertisement is going to be against you. Right. It starts with the NBA and then all of a sudden it's it's on you know a, a report from the war in Gaza you know or or, or something along those lines. Um, I, I a lot of people look at this as saying. Um, you know, those clips that you see on TikTok and, and YouTube and different social media outlets uh, work as a marketing vehicle to drive even younger people to, to the games. And, and I think the, the uh, I think we, look, we both have kids, so we, we know how kids watch and it's in the, uh, unmistakable that they're watching it and consuming it differently than we did when, when we were their age. However, if you look at some of the numbers, the, the numbers for the Super Bowl among among the younger demos, those were up too. Uh, and and so some of the younger demos aren't seeing these dramatic drop offs that you and I might have been seeing in our own households. Yeah. The other thing that we're seeing a, a big boom in is uh, women watching sports, whether it's, you know, the Taylor Swift effect with women watching the NFL or whether, you know, lots of us are t- tuning in to watch Caitlin Clark break the all-time scoring record, lots more people, lots more women are tuning into sports. Yeah, I, a lot of that has to do with the, you know, the Caitlin Clark or, or Taylor Swift effect, like you said, but a lot of it also has to do with uh, just some outside storylines that are really hitting casual fans. Uh, and uh, and if you take a look at, you know, uh, the Super Bowl this year, uh, in addition to sort of you know, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, which certainly is hitting not only casual fans, but but non-fans. You have the Kansas City Chiefs, which are, have become really a big brand in, in the NFL. Uh, I was talking to an uh, NFL executive or network executive who said that, you know, the Cowboys still are the, the top draw in the NFL by far. But the Chiefs have become number two. I mean, everybody wants a Chiefs game on their schedule for, for next season. Uh, which, which I, I mean, they've been in the Super Bowl, I guess, three of the last four years. They have, you know, somebody who uh, will be chasing Tom Brady for the greatest of all time uh, quarterback uh, ranking in Patrick Mahomes. They have sort of a, a lovable coach, you know, uh, and, and Andy Reid uh, over the, and, and just sort of like a recognizable team. And so that works at getting storylines off the field, which really helps attract uh, younger viewers. I mean, the whole premise behind TV shows, I think a lot of football fans are like, all right, enough of the Chiefs. Let's get somebody new in there that we can watch. But if you look at this as a television show, people know these characters and they want to come back and keep looking at these characters and seeing these if seeing how these plot lines uh, end up developing. All right. I want to dig into some specific topics with you. The super streamers. Oh, my gosh. I didn't see this coming. You've got ESPN, Fox Sports, Warner Brothers, Discovery teaming up on a super streaming service. All kinds of people up in arms. You reported that the NFL is relooking and reexamining their contract to see, you know, is there an out? Where is this all going, John? Uh, The the most amazing part, Brian, of these super streamers is uh, that you have Fox. ESPN and Turner, three companies that are known to to be to leak, and they they they've been working on this for nine months, and they kept it under wraps. Wow. They did not leak. They did not leak to the press. They did not leak to the leagues. They did not leak to advertisers. 
that everybody kept it zipped up. And I'm totally impressed by that. I, that, that, that to me <laughs> is the biggest story of the, uh, of the super streamers. It's, um, uh, the super streamers is, is interesting, uh, because, uh, at, when it first got announced and they said that they were going to provide a, you know, it's not direct to consumer, though it sounds a lot like direct to consumer, but it's, it's basically, you know, a, uh, a multi-channel video um, a provider, you know, that just has channels that have sports on it. And they said, we're not trying to encourage people to cut the cord. We're trying to get people to, uh, um, you know, the cord nevers or the cord shavers to come in and, and try to take us. And I laughed when they said that, because of course they're going to get people to cut the cord, right? But as as I've been looking at it, as the price point's been coming up and it's close to YouTube TV, you know, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be between 40 and $50. I'm beginning to think, yeah, they really are just going after these cord nevers and cord cutters. And I, I, I find it hard to believe if you're a big sports fan that you're going to cut the cord to go to get a streaming service that has a lot of holes in it because it's not a true sports streaming service. So if you like the NFL and you order this service, you're still going to have to order Peacock to see NBC Sunday Night Football. You're still going to have to order Paramount Plus in order to see uh, the CBS games. You're still going to have to order uh, Amazon Prime in order to to see uh, some of those games. And then um, and and then who knows what's going to happen with the NFL Network games as well because the the Lego networks aren't aren't going to be on the uh, the channel either. So um, uh, it's a uh, everybody wants to know uh, what the price point's going to be. Who's going to run it and uh, and and sort sort of when it's going to launch and when it launches, we'll have a better idea of uh, of exactly who's going to get it. Why would these rivals team up? I mean, that was to me, you you said the leak was the biggest not leaking was the biggest surprise to me. I was like, wait a minute. These are rivals. They've taken each other's talent. They're bidding against leagues together. I mean, I was surprised that they would come together on something like this. Yeah, I I could see why you would say that. I I was uh, look, I was totally gobsmacked by this release, so I'm not going to pretend that I saw this coming. But if you look at the overall landscape of of media and uh particularly entertainment media, um you've seen uh you know the the migration to streaming services already and you saw the uh some of the big companies get together, the big uh, traditional media companies get together on Hulu and try to work that out. And this appears to me to be the same sort of deal of like, okay, we need to get together to, to create something that can better um, compete against uh, people that are going to Netflix or Amazon or potentially Apple, uh, Apple TV as well. And so th- th- there is a little bit of precedence for this to happen, but it, is, uh, it may, doesn't make it any less surprising from, from when, they, when they announce it. How do you think this impacts rights fees? I mean, for instance, as we discussed last time you were on and you've written extensively about it, the NBA media rights are, you know, up for negotiation right now. Adam Silver joined me about a month and a half ago. We talked about this. If these three entities are together, is the NBA going to get less money because of that? I don't think so. I I I don't see a scenario that so, so it would be Turner and ESPN because Fox has already said uh, Lachlan Murdoch has already said that that he doesn't want the rights. So it would be uh, Turner and ESPN. But if if Turner doesn't get these rights, like they, they uh, 
you know, they're, they're going to have to pay Comcast and DirecTV. The, the rates are going to drop for TNT, you know, the, for, for what Comcast, DirecTV, Charter, Dish Network, all, all the other um, big multi-channel video providers pay for, for TNT. The, the, these are simply companies that are joining together to launch a, a, a service. Like ESPN and Turner still are going to compete uh, and and still go after. But that was uh, it, it's funny to see uh, even in my writing. I'm not trying to impugn anybody, but you know when when this first launched, that was like one, if not the first thought, it was the second or third thought that that was going to happen. Uh, I've been disabused of that notion, and I, I I tend to agree. I think these these are companies that are going to move forward as their own companies, but they're going to have this little sort of side gig, the side hustle that they're working on. With NBA media rights, when Adam Silver was on, he said, everything's on the table, including, you know, them potentially taking a stake in a company if it came down to that, if it made sense for them. I know I asked you this months ago when you were on with me, but what's the latest handicapping of who's going to get the NBA in this next uh, media rights deal? All right, because you asked a question, I'll go out on a limb for you, uh, Brian. Uh, nobody knows until it actually happens. So I'll, I'll give a bunch of qualifiers here. But my prediction is, as of right now, and and the the, the week of February nineteenth, I see ESPN and Amazon as being one hundred percent that they're going to get they're, they're going to get it. I see ESPN is getting the main package, which is going to include the NBA Finals. I see Amazon getting a package of games that uh, um, includes exclusive uh, playoff series uh, that probably won't go up to the championship series, but uh, but you know, that, that that's still, still to be decided. Uh, NBC and Turner are going to be battling, and the big question for me is if the uh, if the NBA decides it wants three packages because it doesn't want to force its its fans to go to all these different providers. Or if it's going to have four packages, it's going to have four packages. I see it going to uh, Turner and to NBC. If it sticks with three, there's going to be a big battle between uh, NBC and and uh, Turner, Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, and again, since you asked it, I'll give it to Warner Brothers Discovery. But that's a that's a too close to call on that one. Wow, that's really interesting. I haven't heard anyone say that like Warner Brothers Discovery might not be in this next deal. And you you know. We talked about this too before when you were on. They just gave not so long ago big contracts to the studio hosts, Kenny and Charles and Shaq and um, EJ. And, you know, you just wonder it's been such a mainstay there and they have the all star game. That would be surprising if it went away from. Yeah. That, and, and that's that, that's part of the pitch that, that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is giving to the NBA mm-hmm. is, you know, that it may not have a broadcast network and. Max might not be quite as big as, you know, Amazon Prime uh, in terms of getting out there. But the way they treat the game and the the, the everything from, uh, you know, the pregame show, which has been a mainstay since the mid 90s uh, with the NBA and the NBA loves it. And and um, the way they treat the handle the, the, the game telecasts and the way they've handled, you know, all star weekend for as long as they've had it. Uh, and the fact that they've been with the NBA uh, NBA has been on TNT since the 1980s, for uh, for goodness sakes. Yeah. I mean, that's it, it. It will take a lot to get the NBA to say, okay, we're going to walk away from this long term relationship. So the part to me that doesn't make sense is, okay, I understand ESPN, I understand Amazon, 
But then if you bring in NBC, does ESPN stop airing games on ABC and NBC gets those games that aired on ABC like the NBA finals? No, I think that if you look at it like the NFL, you know, they they sell to different broadcast networks. So this wouldn't I wouldn't look at this at all like ABC is going to have broadcast exclusivity. OK, the big question is, like, if NBC comes on, will it want to take a secondary position to ABC on the NBA or will it say like, no, we need to have the NBA finals, you know, every other year and sh- and share it with NBC or, or, or excuse me, share it with ESPN, uh, ABC. Uh, that's, that's the big question coming up. That's why it's, you asked me and I gave you predictions, but there are lots of questions and, and, uh, and lots of Swiss cheese type holes in, uh, in my logic there. Yeah. I mean, from everyone I've talked to, I would expect this to be done at the latest by the end of the summer. Wouldn't you? Oh, cert- certainly. Yeah. I, w- I would expect that as the, um, uh, the exclusive negotiating window that the NBA has with uh, ESPN and, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery starts in the middle of next month it, it ends i think it's april 22nd or right, right around there and i would expect pretty soon afterwards we'll we'll have a a, a really good idea of, of where these are going you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back after this talent hard work focus and determination got you here now take the right steps to prepare for your future and ensure that you stay at the top of your game your business your craft Morgan Stanley Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. They deliver the education, strategies, and expertise you need to help advance your financial game plan at every stage of your career journey. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. You mentioned Amazon. I want you to explain to our listeners, I don't think people quite comprehend how much more money Amazon and Apple have than Disney and NBC, I mean, they're sitting there with a pile of cash. And if they decide they want to get into the sports rights game, they're positioned perfectly to do so, right? Well, Amazon is a three trillion, a $3 trillion with a T, trillion dollar company, uh, as is Apple, as is Google YouTube as well. Um, uh, the thing I'm going to tell you to be careful about with that thinking, though, is that um, they're, they're, uh, for-profit companies, they're, they're public companies and they, they need to, you know, they, they could certainly, you know, buy and sell the entire league if, if they wanted to, I, I would think. Uh, but they need to make a return on this. And so they, they're not going to do uh, really stupid deals in order to, to come in and, and get these money and, and, and get those rights. Uh, ESPN and the broadcasters, they have a dual revenue stream that even with cord cutting and even with cord shaving, it it, it is uh, it, it is so profitable for them, and it enables them to do more than just pay and, and pay for it with advertising. Uh, the, the the streamers don't quite have that because ESPN gets paid and Fox gets paid and NBC gets paid by uh, cable operators, uh, uh, you know, 
billions of dollars a, a, a year and they get advertising on top of that. Uh, and, and so, you know, streamers don't have that affiliate revenue that comes in from the cable operators or, or, or satellite companies. And what I've noticed and um, what's really surprised and really, frankly, disappointed uh, a lot of the leagues is that these big companies, Amazon, Apple, I mean, they, they have money coming out of their ears. They've been so disciplined about um, about, you know, how to approach this. I know Amazon, for example. They they could have gotten the Big Ten easy, easy, and but they they remained disciplined in what they were gonna gonna pay in, in order to to keep that there. So it's uh, uh that w- while you can look at their market cap and 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 the, you know the the T and trillion behind their name, uh, they they've all been you know very very disciplined and I they have not yet looked like the types of companies that are gonna just make a, a wildly stupid rights decision just to, to get to get those rights. One thing they have done is they continue to do sports adjacent programming um, on Apple right now. I just started it. I'm watching Dynasty about the New England Patriots. And I love it because, you know, you've got Tom Brady, you've got Bill Belichick, you've got Robert Kraft. There's great footage. Like, you know, it reminds me a lot of The Last Dance. I think that was the the apex of a sports documentary. And a lot of people have been trying to come close to what the last dance was. And I got to tell you, after the first couple of episodes of dynasty, I'm really impressed with who they gathered and the footage that they, you know, put together, especially the old footage of uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. And that, you know, Amazon with the honest documentary that, that, that came out and uh, you know, the, the uh, drive to survive and all of the uh, offshoots that Netflix has been doing. I mean, the question is whether there's a glut of these of these documentaries. There's so many uh, that are coming out that they might have less of an impact than a drive to survive and and hard knocks, for, which has been around for, you know, for, for 20 years or so. But that is a way that all of these companies have decided, hey, this is this is our entry into the sports business. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the college football playoff media rights, because, you know, it's been reported ESPN is where they're going to go. But then I saw a memo a few days ago from someone with college football playoffs saying, whoa, 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 hang on a minute here. There's no deal that's official yet. What are you hearing about college football playoff media rights? Yeah, Andrew Marchand, uh, my former uh, podcast partner, um, uh, reported uh, um, for The Athletic that um, – ESPN and the the heads of the CFP have agreed to a deal and they have CFP still has a lot to to finish up before uh you know before they can actually ink that deal and and so so there's been no deal that's been signed on on that so that that memo that came out was partially true because it's like hey there's no deal mm-hmm. uh, I, I do I do want to point out that Andrew didn't say that there was a deal and I I, I certainly didn't say there was a deal and uh, I think the uh, part of my story that came out was a uh, ESPN was kind of saying, look, if you don't take this offer, we have uh, rights deals coming up with you know the UFC eventually with the NBA, like we just said, uh, and the uh, Major League Baseball has a potential to to use an out in that and c- could work out a, a different type of deal with uh, with Major League Baseball as well. So there, the, the you know ESPN doesn't have. Uh, it doesn't have the trillion, the T, like the Apple or the right. Amazon. Uh, and so it, it needs to make very hard decisions about where it's going to uh, place its money. Well, and I ask you this all the time when you're on, too. And, and so far, it hasn't happened. But 
is this sports media rights bubble ever going to burst? And like you said, you've got these disciplined streamers on the sidelines. They're not just throwing money at anything and, and everything. I don't know if it's going to burst, but there's certainly chaos that's already happening. I mean, who would have thought that one of the uh, Power Five conferences, the Conference of Champions, uh, imploded because it couldn't get a TV deal? Right. Uh, Major League Soccer, it 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 didn't want to take everything and go behind Apple's paywall. It did that because of, there was not enough money among the traditional uh, uh, networks to, to, to pay for all that. So I don't know if, it, if there was actual bubble that's bursting, but there is a lot of chaos that's being introduced into the marketplace. And we're seeing we've already seen some real time effects of it. I mean, the power five is now the power four. And that would have been unthinkable two years ago. Yeah, I mean, you wonder, I had Greg Sankey on recently, you wonder if it's going to be the power two eventually with the SEC and the Big Ten. And it's everyone else after that. But the expansion of the playoff, again, reminding our audience, a lot of people don't know, but the next playoff is going to go from four to 12 teams, right? Um, that, that's uh, that's what appears to be on the table uh, until, as, as that memo that you referenced earlier said, Everything is sort of up in the air and a little bit chaotic right now, but it, it, they have said that they want to get up to 12 teams by uh, by the next one. So if you're buying the rights, you're getting more games than, you know, just basically two semifinal games and a final game if they do, in fact, change the format. Yeah, but the question is, uh, there are two questions to that. One is, what's the quality of those games uh, that you're getting? Are you going to get... Ohio State beating some other team by 50 points, you know, because that's not a game that's really worth a lot. And then uh, the other way that networks are are starting to look at this is you know, um, if you're Fox or NBC or ESPN, you know, you're already, you're already set in college sports and you're set in college football. Adding a couple of other games, even if they're sort of uh, college playoff games, college football playoff games or early round, that's not going to help you with cable operators, you know, and, and they're not going to get more money out of cable operators. They're not going to get better distribution out of cable operators because they already have ESPN already has the SEC and Fox already has the big 10. So they, they already have that. So there's a, there's less of a, uh, a push saying like, wow, we really need to get this to put, plant our flag in, in the col- in college football. Just a couple minutes left. Major league baseball. The season's going to start soon. Lowest rated world series ever. What I'm seeing with the NBA and Major League Baseball, their premium product, NBA Finals, World Series, those ratings are declining, at least on broadcast TV. What can Major League Baseball do to try and solve this problem? Uh, I think it's uh, already been uh, doing some interesting things. I mean, how long have we? How long have I been a baseball fan? And all all of a sudden, like Rob Manfred pushed through these rules of you know, the pitch clock and, and keeping keeping the batters in the box and getting rid of the shift. And, you know, that uh, had the effect of speeding up the game. The average length of game like uh, came down uh, dramatically last season. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but it, it was it, it was it was dramatic. Also led to action in the game. So you didn't watch a guy pitch, you know, throw a pitch, walk around the mound, wait like for 45 seconds and then throw the second pitch like he's back on them. He's staying on the mound and, and throwing the pitch. And it gives the illusion that, that, that there's more action that that's actually happening. Uh, so they are making uh, moves to do that. But again, we, we are getting back to the idea that, um, you know, my, my focus group of my own children, you know, do not sit down with 
terrestrial television. You know, they're 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 watching the, some of the streaming services and and they're consuming social media. Um, uh, and so, you know, baseball has to do more about uh, sort of trying to, to get kids in 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 that aspect. Um, and it's a, just as a final point because I I always hear that like I, I've heard that since I was a kid like baseball's too old. Um, go, when, whenever I go to a game. I see kids all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it doesn't have like that actual game attendance. Sure. Ha- is filled with young people filled with kids. But like you said, the challenge has been getting that to translate to TV. And even with the new rules, which I loved, and I went to, you know, several major league baseball games last year and was just such an enjoyable experience to, you know, have the game full of action and, and a shorter uh, game. It doesn't translate to broadcast TV. So if you're, Fox or you're one of the broadcast partners, you're like, well, it's great that they have great attendance and that young people are watching, but it's not translating to our viewing audience. Uh, although I will point out that the uh, ratings for the uh, locally re- regional sports networks uh, for baseball games are pretty good. Uh, they're up. It's just that nationally, I mean, baseball's become sort of a, a you know a regional channel. Uh, um, it's almost like hockey. When my team's out of the Stanley Cup, I find it hard to watch. You know the sure. the, the next series uh, with with the NFL. My team loses. I'm watching. I'm watching the next playoff game. You know, uh, re- regardless, uh, baseball. Uh, I, I happen to be a big fan, so I'll watch all the way through. But that's one of the problems that uh, that, that people have with baseball. Go Orioles, right? Uh, I, I have not you know, mentioned Adley Rushman yet on this uh, pod, but I'll, I'll do it right now. It's, yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question for you, because you've been doing this a long time. It's sad to me, John. I'm watching legacy media and I'm seeing the L.A. Times on assigning a beat writer to cover Shohei Otani and the Los Angeles Dodgers. One of the biggest stories in sports. I'm seeing Sports Illustrated and many of my friends who work there lose jobs or at least sit in limbo and wonder, are we going to get a deal done with anyone else so this thing can survive and continue? What's happening to legacy media? Why are these things that we grew up with declining? When I was with the Sports Business Journal, we bought the Sporting News. And uh, we were like, this is a venerable, venerable brand. All it needs is a little TLC, some attention, and we're going to get this back because people love the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and but not everybody loved the brand. People my age loved the brand and older. And 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 it was uh, that th- there were decisions that Sporting News made decades earlier that made it impossible to get that up up and running. Uh, and so I love Sports Illustrated. I've had a subscription to Sports Illustrated since the early seventies. I too. saved the magazines in my in my uh, attic. Me too. I used to, I used to separate the covers by sport. So I had like, you know, the baseball covers and wow. the NFL covers. I, I, I love their, and then I would catalog who had the most, uh, uh, it was, it was a big day when, uh, cause it was always baseball always had the most covers. It was a big day sometime in the uh, like early eighties when the NFL overtook them. Um, uh, your, your daughter, I'm sure is not lamenting sports illustrated now. Uh, my son, who's uh, 25, is not lamenting Sports Illustrated. There are decisions that Sports Illustrated made, you know, decades ago that just didn't. Gra- the people that are lamenting Sports Illustrated, like you and me, uh, that, that what, what's the what's the age uh, drop off? 45. If you're younger than 45, uh, and so there, there are just decisions that were made a long time ago that just didn't. Uh, 
didn't have foresight about how to uh, to profit off of uh, off of the internet, and I think that's that's the big problem that we're seeing right now. I would wonder with Sports Illustrated, maybe you've heard this, but like they have so many amazing archives, just photos. Like, is someone going to own those and maintain those, or are they going to the Smithsonian, or did they just like sit on a hard drive somewhere? Well, they're in my attic collecting dust right now, Brian. <laughs> um, I would imagine that, that that there's still a lot of value in that. So uh, yeah, I would imagine that that that's that's where the main value is with 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 SI right now. Yeah. All right. How can people follow your great work with Puck News? I know you have a newsletter. Obviously, as I said at the top, people can follow you on X. Newsletter. Uh, it's called the Varsity. Uh, it comes out for free for the next two weeks, and then it's going to go behind a, a, a pretty strict paywall for a. I think it's right around a hundred bucks a year or so. And um, I am available on all social media channels. Uh, I'm probably most active still on X, which is, uh, as you said at the beginning, uh, Orand underscore Puck, P-U-C-K. John, I always enjoy our conversations. Congratulations on this new job that you have. And, you know, I just love you cover this beat better than anyone else. And uh, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. I love it. It's a lot of fun and I'll come on anytime, Brian. Thanks for the offer. Thank you, John. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for sports business radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Nicole Wardle, and Josh Blank. A reminder to kindly subscribe to our award-winning podcast. Our feed features 20 years of podcasts with the biggest names in sports and business. Go to Apple or Spotify Podcasts and click on the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner. That way, every episode of Sports Business Radio will be delivered to your listening device each week. We'd love to have you give us a five-star rating and write a review of our podcast as well. It'll take you just two minutes. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, 
X at SB Radio, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. SBR is produced by Brian Griggs at griggsproductions.com.